Hello fellow adventurers and welcome to the Nerd Lab, where we transform our gaming passion into incredible game designs and learn how to nerd like a boss. My name is Marvin and I am an ambitious game designer on my quest to develop a cooperative fantasy card game. For this podcast, my vision is to take you with me on this exciting journey. Together we will explore the secrets of different game mechanics and reach the next level as a game designer. Topic of today's podcast episodes are co-op mechanics. Uh, rarely have I been so excited and enthusiastic about a topic as today. One reason for this is that the topic is very important to me, especially for the development of my own game. On the other hand, I think today's episode is packed with super exciting examples that have helped me a lot to advance my game mechanics and hopefully can serve as a framework for you as well. Time to update our quest log. One of my primary goals for the first quarter of 2019 was to finally playtest my co-op fantasy card game on a larger scale. So I invited some of my best friends to help me playtest and develop my game for an entire weekend at the end of February. Actually great! However, I may have mentioned that they can expect a great and outstanding RPG experience. This was maybe a little over the top when you consider that my skills and mechanics are barely tested and definitely not balanced yet. Also, most of my cards are still handwritten and you have to know that most of the time I have problems reading my own handwriting. That's why I'm not only excited but also a little bit afraid of how my game will be received. Anyway, now I at least know what I will do during the next weeks. I will use every free minute to advance my game. Concrete deadlines are usually a big incentive for me to focus on a task and reduce the procrastination level to a minimum dose, which for a nerd is never zero. Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery released, for example. I've played AD&D and Magic with some of the playtesters for over 20 years now. So we'll combine at least 100 years of RPG and board game experience in the Nerd Lab during that weekend. I'm sure that will result in a big step forward for my game. And when I'm excited and a little bit frightened, it's usually a good sign. That means that I leave my comfort zone and that usually means that I make some progress. I'll keep you posted on how the preparation is going. To get back to the topic, I wanted to talk about the co-op mechanic which I designed and tested in the last two weeks. In my game, players control a character whose skills are represented by a deck of cards. Each of those cards is either an action, a reaction or a multi-use card that can be played as an action or a reaction. What does that have to do with co-op mechanic, you may ask? Nothing for now, but the magic happens when you start combining actions and reactions. This allows players to react to their own actions with their reactions and thus play certain cards as combos. But more importantly, it allows players to react to the actions of their teammates. That gives you something to do during your allies' turns. And as a result, I have covered two aspects which I wanted to include into my game. Combos and teamwork and both are combined within a single mechanic which I like pretty much. There are rules that determine which reactions can be combined with which actions. I'm still fine-tuning them but basically there are colors or icons uh, that allow you to quickly assign which cards fit together. This is one example for a co-op mechanic and we will discover a lot more of them in today's episode. 
The work on this mechanic has actually brought me to the idea to make this episode about co-op mechanics. Another thing that I wanted to mention here is that I have changed the way of tracking life points. In a former episode I talked about um, a lot of different ways of tracking life points in card games. I have now changed to use paper clips to track the life points instead of life tracking cards that cover a part of the underlying creature card. That has turned out to be way more convenient because you can now pick up the cards uh, and the paperclip remains uh, attached. I thought it would be a good idea to mention this here on the podcast. Uh, if someone of you is in the same spot, I would recommend to test paperclips as well because the haptic of uh, using them is, is quite good. That's it for the quest log today. I'm sure there will be a, a lot of updates during the next weeks when I prepare myself for the playtesting weekend. And now for you, the main quest. Okay, let's talk about them co-op mechanics. In order to understand what a co-op mechanic actually is and to judge how good the mechanic is, we first have to understand what exactly a co-op game is and what role co-op mechanics play in it. A co-op game is by nature a game in which players work together as a team, usually against some kind of AI. In most co-op games players tend to perform individual actions that all work towards a shared goal. That doesn't mean there cannot be individual goals that may be in tension or even in direct conflict to the shared goal. Think about all the co-op games with the traitor mechanic in it. However, typically the group works towards a shared goal by combining their individual actions. When we talk about co-op mechanics, we could actually mean two different things. The first one is a mechanism that controls the enemies and there is no human being dedicated for that role in co-op games. So it must be some form of AI. And the second thing which we actually mean today are mechanics that especially support and promote the teamwork of the players. Today we will focus on the mechanics for cooperation. The topic of AI in board games will be dealt with in a future episode. Before we now finally dive into the individual mechanics, let's have a short look on the main goals of co-op mechanics. One problem in co-op games is the so-called quarterbacking. What it means is that one player makes all the decisions for the entire team. This can happen when one player is more experienced than the others or when one player is from his or her personality someone who likes to make decisions and lead the way. For some player that can lead to a feeling that they don't decide anything themselves and ruin their entire game experience. Therefore a lot of co-op mechanisms are made to counter quarterbacking. Another and probably the most important goal of co-op mechanics is to encourage teamwork. Often this is implemented in a way that some player has access to something the other players need. A resource for example or a certain skill. Another goal is to organize team play. Who is acting when, who is getting what reward and who plays which role in the team. And sometimes co-op mechanics are also used to balance the power within the team. Okay, that's it. Now we can start with our individual co-op mechanics. I have divided the examples and mechanics into four categories, whereby some of the mechanics certainly would have fit into several categories. But I thought it would make sense to discuss the thematically matching mechanics one after another. The four categories are encouraging 
team play, fighting the other player problem, creating interesting team decision situations and bringing tension to the game. Let's start with the category that encourages better team play. The first co-op mechanic I want to talk about is probably also the most frequently used one. And that's dividing the players or characters into different roles. So giving them some kind of specialization. And because each player has a certain specialization, you create a feeling of being something special in the team. And give the players also an initial guideline how to play the game. The dedicated tank in your team could say... My role is tanking, so let me stand in the first line. I can take that hit better than you. That would actually make some nice last words for our brood in Gloomhaven. However, character specialization is very important in co-op games. Since you don't play against each other, but usually win or lose together, balancing also plays a lesser role than in competitive games. This means that asymmetric gameplay is used much more often in co-op games. That is actually what I really like about co-op games. There's more room for unique abilities and different playstyles in the roles. Different playstyles then lead to something players can identify with and cause player engagement with the character. Much like the factions we talked about last week. Most of the co-op games have at least some kind of specialization, so I will only name a few as an example. The first one is Pandemic. In Pandemic, you can play a bunch of different roles. For example, a medic or a researcher, a scientist or a dispatcher, or an operations expert. Your goal is to find the cure for viruses and diseases that spread over the world and fight them. And all of the classes come with some unique ability. For example, the scientist is better in discovering a cure. That means he only needs four cards of the same color to discover a cure instead of uh, five. The medic is the best in treating infected cities and the researcher can spread knowledge in form of giving cards to other players and so on. Another example is Aeon's End. In Aeon's End each character comes with a special and unique ability that can be used after fully charged. And one character has the unique ability to manipulate the turn order deck while the other for example has the ability to counter an enemy effect. In Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game, Each character has four different abilities. An attack, an assist ability, an explore ability and a rest ability. And each of the abilities is unique to that class. That creates different play styles that people can engage and identify with. I really love uh, different roles and uh, character specialization in co-op games. But I also think you need to be careful not to create characters or roles that are too one-dimensional. Um, a cleric or a healer, for example, that uh, that only can heal and has no other abilities to add to the team may become a little bit boring. Two other games that I have heard that make great use of specializations are Max vs. Minions and Spirit Island. But I have not played these games, um, so if you want to look into them, maybe they are um, also an inspiration. The next group of mechanics that encourage team play is about sharing resources. So sharing resources can happen in two different ways. The first is that you have a common pool of resources with which you can, for example, buy all your actions. I call this a shared resource because all of the players share the resource together. The second variant is that each player has its own resource which he can share with other players at his own choice. I call this one resource sharing. 
I know it's a bit confusing, so I'll give you an example. In Dresden Files, the card game, all players share a common pool of action points, known as fate points. This is a shared resource because each player is going to use the same points to cast their cards. And the players are also uh, together responsible to create these action points uh, by discarding cards from their hand. Or they can use the existing points to play cards from them. So they have two choices. Playing cards and spending the action points or discarding cards and generating action. To encourage players to discard um, cards from their hand, um, each character has a unique talent which is triggered when he discards a card. In Aventuria, the card game, players share also a resource called Fate Points. But players don't have always access to the shared pool. They only get a Fate Counter when they defeat an enemy or miss an attack roll. It is some kind of shared limitation um, of maximum available Fate Points. The Fate Points can be then discarded to gain one of the following advantages. They can be used to draw a card, receive um, endurance, which is uh, the resource that, that is needed to cast spells, or to re-roll an attack that um, that you missed. On one hand, the shared resource encouraged table talk, such as, uh, can I use this action point or do you need them? Uh, on the other side, they can support also the alpha player or quarterbacking problem, because it is easy for one player to take over the role as the resource master. These were both examples of a shared resource. If we now look um, at sharing resources in contrast, the individual players have more agency if the resources are assigned to them individually. And they still can decide at their own judgment whether they have resources to offer or not. The quarter problem also occurs here, of course, but in a weaker form. During a player's turn, he or she could decide to give an additional action to another player instead of wasting it, for example. And then the teammates gets a better turn and the mechanic altogether can be used to optimize all the actions within a team. As far as I know, uh, the game Dead Man Tells No Tales uses this mechanic, but I have not played that game as well. The next uh, mechanic that encourages team play is uh, party skill. A party skill is something you can only use together as a party and not individually. It can be understood as a bonus for teamwork. An example can be found in Runebound Unbreakable Bonds. In that game you have the ability to form a party with another hero in your space. That allows you to move further and also to use the so-called party skills. There are 10 different party skills that can only be activated by a party of heroes in the same space. Um, they are comparable to the individual skills, but party skills can um, be paid for by any member of the group. So you can pay together for that spells. And once the spell is learned, um, they apply to any and all the party of heroes in the entire game. I really like the idea of restricting a part of the game and only making it accessible to players when they work together as a team. Another example for bonuses for teamwork or let's call it bonus for positioning can be found in Gloomhaven. There are a lot of spells that only affect adjacent allies. So you get a bonus only after you met a certain criteria. For example, that you placed your characters adjacent to each other. Another example for good positioning could be that you recharge some kind of energy when two characters are close together or get some kind of defensive bonus. 
Another easy way to encourage teamwork is to restrict some of the spells to target only allies and not yourself. The result is that you can not only concentrate on your character, but you also have to keep an eye on the situation of your allies. This increases the attention during allied turns and the overall cooperation. Gloomhaven has some heal effects and buffs that can only target allies. But remember that this can also have negative effects. Uh, let's say your healer is the last man standing and that means he cannot use some of his spells because he's the only one and there's no target left. We had the case in our Gloomhaven session that our healer had to tank in a certain situation and he was not able to heal himself. That wasn't a real problem for us but rather a restriction that forced us to adopt a different tactic. But you as the designer need to be aware of the restrictions you create with a mechanic like this. The next mechanic to encourage team play are assist effects. Assist effects are abilities or cards that a player can use even though it's someone else's turn. In my eyes this is a key feature of a co-op game to assist your allies. It keeps you engaged during your teammates turns and it lets you affect your teammates in positive ways. By combining your spells with your allies, you can achieve something you could not have done alone. This creates a special feeling of accomplishment in the team. A good example here is Dragonfire, the Dungeons and Dragons deck building card game. It uses an assist ability that appears on some of the cards. And you can only use these assist abilities during another player's turn to help them. And without assisting each other, you will not be able to overcome some of the more difficult obstacles and locations. Arkham Horror has also an assist ability. Each investigator possesses four skills in Arkham Horror. Willpower, intellect, combat and agility. And a number of situations require an investigator to make a skill test on one of these skills. To assist your ally in a skill test, you can discard a card from your hand with the respective skill icon. To support an intellect check, you have to discard a card from your hand that has at least one intellect icon on them. By doing so, you grant a plus one or plus two bonus to the skill check of your ally, what can be very handy in critical situations. In Warhammer Quest, the cooperative card game, you do not use cards from your hand to assist your allies. Each player has a fixed assist ability that is unique for that character, but it can only be used to assist your allies. In the game Legendary Encounters, uh, assist works a little bit different. It is called coordinating and it allows you to let another player borrow one of your cards. And it is a critical way to help your teammates uh, kill tough enemies as well there. In order to use this mechanic, you need to have a coordinate card in your hand. And you put that card aside face up and then immediately draw another card to replace it. The other player then has the chance to play a copy of that card and at the end of that player's turn you put that coordinate card into your discard pile again. In Legendary Encounters this mechanic also comes with the restriction to make sure that uh, players do not create monster turns and the restriction is that each player can only um, coordinate one card per turn. However, multiple players can each coordinate one card to the player whose turn it is and um, give that player a huge advantage that way. The reaction system that I have created for my game is also an assist mechanic in that way. One situation that came up uh, 
that I already talked about last week is that the tank in my team has taunted a large part of the enemies with one card and then played a card that allowed him to attack all enemies engaged with him in combat. This was a very weak attack, but it had three free slots, uh, what enabled the other players to assist it with multiple reaction cards, so that almost all of the enemies were eliminated with a single attack. What I really like about that mechanic is that you can create something that exceeds the sum of the individual cards, but you can only do that through teamwork. In my case, the weak attack against all enemies from the tank would not have made such a big difference in the game. And also the single reaction cards of the other players would not have made so much of a difference if they would have targeted only one enemy for you. So the large effect was only possible by combining two different cards, or more than two cards in that case. Uh, the one that allowed to target multiple enemies and the other ones that allowed to add additional damage to that card. Another effect of assist abilities is that you can help your allies when they are in danger because you have something you can do during their turn. Imagine a tank that is surrounded by a lot of enemies um, who casts a shield defense spell targeting himself. He could easily be uh, supported by the healer with a reaction card that adds another heal 5 or something like that to the card as well. The next mechanic is combining spells. It's quite similar to assisting but it requires specific pieces of spells to be combined with each other. The only game that I know of that uses this ability is Epic Spell Wars. This is not even a co-op game, but the spell combination part could easily be transferred to a co-op game, I guess. In Epic Spell Wars, spells can consist of three different parts. A source card, a quality card and a delivery card. And by combining up to three of these cards, you get a spell with a combined effect. And a funny name, because the name is composed of the three individual parts of the card. Each of the three cards then adds another layer by adding one of five glyphs to the entire spell and the effect on the cards depend on which glyphs have been added by the other cards. In that case this mechanic is more used to create interesting combos but I would love to see that mechanic in cooperative games where other players are able to add specific parts to your spell to create interesting combos. And that's it for all the mechanics of the category encouraging team play. The other categories of co-op mechanics will be discussed next week. And finally, the conclusion. Okay, that's it for today. Today we discussed at least eight mechanics that can be used to encourage teamwork in cooperative games. We talked about specialization and roles in games. We talked about the difference between a shared resource and sharing a resource. We talked about party skills and bonuses for teamwork. We talked about abilities that can only target your allies. And we spent quite a bit of time to think about assist abilities on cards and combining spells. Next week we will look at a bunch of mechanics that can help us to fight the alpha player problem or that can help us to create situations where the team has to make decisions together. And we will have some mechanics that bring additional tension to us. What I have done so far is that I went through each of the mechanics and asked myself if this would be a good fit for my game. 
As always, I hope this is also helpful for you and your design process. A complete conclusion will be given next week when we went through all the code mechanics. That's everything for today. If you want to get in touch, visit my website at nerdlikeaboss.com or find me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook with the hashtag nerdlikeaboss. And if you want to help me, it would be incredibly helpful if you could leave a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening and until next week, keep cooperating and nerd like a boss. Thank you.